Remember, we will be having an afternoon meeting at 2 o'clock, um, studying uh, Christian science. We'll be having lunch uh, shortly after the shortly after the sermon here. Our message has a title of Birds and Words today. It's number two in a series. We'll pick up again number three here in another four or five weeks in a series on Satan. What are uh, two or three names of Satan you can think of if you had to think of two or three names of Satan? Serpent, devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer. Thief is one we're going to consider today. Thief. These are all different names. One of the questions that came to my mind as I was uh, studying and preparing this, you, you guys know these names. You know most of his names already by heart. And since you know his names so well, you should really pay attention to what you know. These are names given to him because of his nature and his character. Know what you know and uh, walk accordingly. I'm going to pray for just a second. We're going to consider the, the thief. Almighty God, we open your word. It's people who have a hard time concentrating, remembering. You have a difficult time sometimes knowing you in truth. God, help us by the revelation of your word, by the work of your spirit to give understanding I ask these things in the name of the great priest and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. If you know somebody whose name is Thief, I don't think any of you know anybody named Thief except for Satan, but if you did, what would be the nature of your interaction with this person? How would you uh, you'd be on guard, wouldn't you? thing that we had pondered in our last message regarding Satan was if Satan is a person who disguises himself and he's actively acting in and participating in the commerce of this world and of the culture that we live in and of the influence of Christians and non-Christians, what kind of people do we need to be? This is one of the questions we were Contemplating, if, if he's for real, then what kind of people should you be regarding his realness? Ephesians 6.11 refers to him in, in one of the ways that he's known. This is another word kind of disguising his, uh, or describing his, his ability and his ways. When we looked at in the last message um, spoke about his it says we are not unaware of his schemes Ephesians 6.11 says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the and here's the word wiles wiles of the devil Interestingly, the, the word 
in English, wiles, there's, it's got a pretty broad meaning in the original language, and the word literally means wait. As in sitting in the waiting room. But this one, who, we'll look at this in the future, this uh, exhortation to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles. The wiles is, is a reference to the waiting one. Who is waiting? Who is watching and waiting? And what is he watching and waiting to see? This is a special kind of uh, activity of an enemy. And we're going to study on one of the things that he's waiting for today. That'll be the will be the subject of the message that's going to come out of Matthew 13. What is he waiting for? What is he watching for? What kind of scheme is he up to? Matthew 13 from verse 3. You're all very familiar with this parable the Lord Jesus taught. And you'll now know why the message is called what it's called. But the Lord Jesus by Matthew's testimony, and he spake many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Or whoever can hear, whoever would hear this, let him hear. The parable wasn't really understood by a majority of those who are listening to the Lord when he made this teaching. Parables are designed to hide their meaning from those who, it seems, wouldn't have the teaching of the Lord. Whoever has little, whatever he would have would be taken away. And whoever has some, more will be given, is one of the words the Lord has given. So parables are designed, actually, to hide from some and to reveal to others. That's the nature of what a parable is. And so most of those listening to the Lord make this teaching didn't really understand what he was talking about until he explained it to his disciples later. One of the points that you need to understand is seeds have life in them. In this parable, there are seeds being scattered. Seeds have life in them. And seeds can produce fruit. They might produce fruit, but they might not produce fruit. And it depends on where they fall and what kind of care is given to them. That's something that you have to understand and know to make any sense of this parable. And the last part of the parable, or one of the important parts of the parable, not the last part, is that Satan works to prevent fruit coming from God's Word. 
Satan works to prevent the fruitfulness of God's word. So let me explain a parable, or let me demystify the parable. Let me just explain to you what the Lord explained to his disciples. He pulls them aside in verse 16, and he's telling them that they're blessed. He says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear, compared to those who won't hear and who wouldn't hear, right? Some won't hear, some won't understand the parables, but blessed are yours, disciples. For assuredly I say to you, he says in verse 17, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. The Lord Jesus is speaking of the generations and even the centuries that preceded him, where prophets searched the scriptures, longed to know and understand what these men are having explained to them by the Savior. This was a long-anticipated period of time in this time of Jewish history. Verse 18, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. In other words, you are very, very, very blessed. Of all the people who have ever lived, you will hear me explain this to you personally, says the Savior to these men. Hear the parable of the sower, disciples. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, listen carefully. This is really, really important for us to follow what the Lord is teaching. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The Lord Jesus is just simply explaining what he has taught in the verses I just read from verse 3. This is he who received seed by the wayside. He is a piece of hard ground. In the first part of the parable from verse 3, it was mainly telling us about soils, ground, the kind of ground that seed falls on. Here, There's somebody who heard the word, didn't understand it, and the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So, hearing the word of the kingdom can happen to anybody, can't it? Hearing the word of the kingdom can be an experience anybody and everybody experiences. And and really, in, in our place and time in the world, everybody has heard Many words of the kingdom, right? It's not an uncommon thing for you and I to meet somebody who knows multiple things about the teaching and the preaching of the Lord Jesus. But here in this case, it's emphasized to you and I that this this hearing can be with understanding or this hearing can be without understanding. It can be with varying degrees or with and without Understanding, And if the word of the kingdom is not understood, listen carefully, if the word of the kingdom is not understood, what happens to it? What did the parable say happens to it? it? It's taken away. It's stolen away. It's snatched up. It's gobbled up. Verse 4 says, birds eat the seed that's on the hard ground. Hard ground is not understanding. Birds eat it. And the birds are a symbol of something in this parable. What are the birds a symbol of? The wicked one. The wicked one. The wicked one. 
I want you to see where it says this. You see it there in verse 19. Anyone hears the word of the kingdom. That's mechanical hearing, right? The Lord Jesus speaks to people constantly about those who hear and do not hear. Those who hear, that's what it says in verse 19, and does not understand, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. So think back with me just for a second. In Ephesians, we just learned that there is a thing he does that Ephesians had translated wiles, the wiles of the devil, the waitings of the devil. What is the devil waiting for? He's waiting for a seed sitting on hard ground. He's waiting for the word of a kingdom not being engaged in or tangled up in your heart. When this word falls on a hard place, it's gone. He takes it away. If it's understood, if it's beginning to take root. If you're cogitating on it, if you're ruminating on it, if you're working on it, you can't grab it and take it away. But if it's sitting there on the hard place, he snatches it away because it will take root and produce fruit in life. Satan has a particular object in his wiles. He has a particular goal in his waitings. He's waiting. He's watching. Satan destroys faith or prevents faith from ever taking root by stealing the word from not understanding hearts. You see that? That's what the Lord taught that's what he taught his disciples. And I believe it was perplexing to the disciples, and, and it may be perplexing to you. Sometimes you've shared some simple truths of the gospel with people. Simple things. There's one creator, one judge, one death in your future. You will die and, and face the judgment, as it says in, in Hebrews. It's appointed for man to die once and face the judgment. You, you can explain these simple things that make perfect sense to you. You can explain this to your son or your nephew or your mom. And they look at you like you're stupid. The seed is landing on a hard place. And the disciples would wonder, why don't people just understand and believe? Here we are. We're with the Messiah. We're with the Lord Jesus. And he preaches and he teaches and we get it and we love it. Why do so many people not get it? The Lord Jesus is sitting them down and he's saying, look, this is what it's like. It's like seed falls on hard ground when the bird, Satan, finds it on the hard ground, he'll snatch it up. And Satan destroys the opportunity by faith by stealing the word from not understanding hearts. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 
is one of the places where you and I know that salvation comes by faith. Salvation comes by faith. I'm going to put together a little argument for you so that you will understand clearly why is he doing this. Ephesians 2.89 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. There is nobody who will be saved without faith. But it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Okay? Salvation comes by faith. Number two, a life pleasing to the Lord comes by faith. A life pleasing to the Lord comes by faith. Romans 14, 23. And then Galatians 5, 6. Write them down. Romans 14, 23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats. Now this is speaking about Christian liberty and how Christian liberty is or is not practiced. And he who is unsure, he who doubts is condemned if he eats what he feels convicted that he shouldn't eat is how it goes because he does not eat from faith. So if a person's conviction about what he's going to be eating, this meat that had been sacrificed to idols, if he's unsure in his own heart, he shouldn't do it. Because, look at the end of the verse, for whatever is not from faith is sin. In other words, a life pleasing to the Lord must be practicing true faith. If you're not living by faith, you cannot live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And this is just one example of that. Galatians 5.6 is another example. Galatians 5.6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. In other words, the things you do on the outside don't matter. Going to church doesn't matter. Getting baptized doesn't matter. Taking communion can't save you. None of those things can save you. Being a Jew can't save you. Being circumcised can't save you. But faith working through love. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, to say it again, a life pleasing to the Lord comes by faith. Number one was salvation comes by faith. Number two, a life pleasing to the Lord comes by faith. Number three, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10 is where Paul is, is explaining how it is that somebody really comes to know salvation. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. It's an important principle for all of you to understand because everybody has little seasons where their faith is, is weak or your faith is maybe even confused. How do you strengthen weak faith? How do you build lacking faith? You invest yourself in the Word of God. You get yourself involved in the teaching of the Word of God. You put yourself under clear biblical preaching 
so that you can understand the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When Satan prevents the fruit of faith, he condemns to hell. Do you see that if gospel seed never takes root, if gospel seed falls on hard ground, it can never give faith. It can never produce fruit. So Satan's ultimate goal in preventing the fruit of faith is condemning people to hell. He is also robbing God of God's glory by snatching gospel seed from the hardness of your own heart on any given Sunday or Wednesday or time when you're listening to preaching and teaching. Nobody can be saved without faith. Nobody can live the Christian life without faith. No faith exists apart from the word of God heard and believed. There's no such thing. You'll probably also remember that the preached word builds the temple of God on the earth. The preached word builds the temple of God on the earth with living stones of believers. Christians are called living stones. And Satan works to corrupt the dwelling place of God on earth by preventing growth, and by perverting growth. Both of those things. Either stop it entirely so that nobody believes at all or by perverting and corrupting its growth. 1 Corinthians 3.10 1 Corinthians 3.10 Paul says, According to the grace of God which was given to me As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. What does Paul mean when he says he is a wise master builder? He's building the temple of God in the congregation of believers. By preaching and teaching, the believers are built up into God's dwelling place on the world. And Paul warns there, he says, but let each one take heed how he builds. Because there are other people who participate in that work, myself being one, and other pastors and teaching elders. This is what they do. They're building this dwelling place of God. Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians 2.19 is even more clear. The Word of God is making a dwelling place of God in the world. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Primarily in verse 19, it's looking at the the non-Jewish people who have converted to Christ. And and it's talking about how they are now all one with the people of God as the Jews were before the time of Christ. 
He says you become fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You see both the New Testament and the Old Testament being brought together there. The prophets of the Old Covenant, the apostles of the New Covenant are all being brought together. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of this building, in whom the whole building being fitted together. It's, it's being assembled now. It's being built now. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So I think we can begin to comprehend that the word understood can result one in salvation Godly fear and remembrance, the word understood, the word heard, can result in godly fear and godly remembrance. It can result in worship and true hope of comfort and trial, in loss, in despair. When the word takes hold, it can provide a true conception of those things. The word understood leads to acceptable service in the Lord. There are a lot of religious people in the world, of course, but unless it's a life governed by the Word of God, then their service and their and their life and their worship is self-made, self-invented religion. So these are things; these are positive things that result from the Word being understood. Blessing for the person who is hearing and understanding. True glory to God. But the word not understood results in no saving faith. It results in loss of life in this world. It results in inattention and disdain for the temple of God. In other words, when the, when the, root, when the word can't sit in a place that's soft and where it's received and where it's heard, that word can produce no glory to God. And finally and ultimately, it's a, a loss of life in the world to come when this word lands on not understanding, when it's not understood. And this is why Satan works in this way. Do you see why Satan is motivated to work in this way? If the word would land in this hard place, this is what he desires to do. He moves in on the not understanding. So what does the word understand mean? And how do you have understanding? The, the way I want to tell you what it means is from the Thai word for understand. This was so interesting to me to, to realize in Thailand. Thailand says the word understand with two words. I don't know what that's called. What is it called when you take two words and put them together? Compound word. Enter is the first word in Thai that you say. Enter, heart. That's how you say understand. Enter, heart. Kautjai. Comes up all the time in discussion with people. Kautjai mai. You understand? Did it go into your heart? Did it go into your heart? Do you get it? If it doesn't go into your heart, you just don't get it. 
my couch, I don't understand. It didn't go into my heart. I don't get it. This is what understanding means. It means to know the elements of a statement or a circumstance. And because of the combined reality of the thing that you're considering, because of the result that you know comes from this thing that you're considering, a conclusion is realized. This is what, this is what understanding is. You can picture a scene or, or a scenario. It means to perceive and reason truth and consequence. That's what understanding is. Understanding really is one of the greatest gifts that men have an ability in. Let me tell you what I mean. Without understanding, men do not know the difference between God and idols. Isaiah 44:19. Without understanding, men do not know the difference between God and idols. Isaiah 44:19. Now you read this with me and there's a little bit of humor I think in this passage. But it's pretty profound in, in telling us what understanding does for men and what it does when they don't understand. Isaiah 44, 19. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge, nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. He's speaking about a piece of wood. He's speaking about this pagan man who's made, let's just say it's a, uh, an image of some kind. Half of it he built a fire with. And then the man goes on to say, Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals with this piece of wood. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? Do you see all the information here about understanding and not understanding? Don't you understand how stupid it is to take this half of your piece of wood and cook breakfast with it and take the other half and carve an image that you're going to worship? Do you realize how stupid that is? Do you have no understanding? This is what understanding is. Kauchai, Mai. Do you understand? Has it entered your heart? Not understanding also leads to rebellion. Psalm 106, 7. Not understanding leads to rebellion. Psalm 106, 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. In other words, the men and women who left Egypt and went into the wilderness and saw the miracles of the sea parting and the and the cloud in the day and the fire at night and the provision of water from the rock, etc., etc., etc. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. You see, by their not understanding God's power, God's holiness, God's intention for them, by them not understanding, they became rebellious in their attitude toward him. Other places in the scripture said they died in the wilderness in their unbelief. You remember that? And 
in Hebrews 6, for example, we went back and looked at those passages in Exodus. You see what a valuable thing understanding is when it comes to understanding God and understanding God's word? They had no understanding and it resulted in their rebellion. They rebelled by the sea. God is worshipped with understanding. Psalm 47, 7. God is worshipped with understanding. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. If God is to be worshipped, he is to be worshipped in truth. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Remember the woman in... uh, Samaria was a worshiper, but the Lord Jesus was telling her she was a false worshiper. The Lord Jesus told her, you worship what you do not know. That's exactly like saying you have no understanding and therefore your worship is no good. You see how crucial and how vital understanding is. God is trusted with godly understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. God is trusted with godly understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God is trusted with godly understanding. Finally, seek understanding by God's word. Understanding comes from God's word. Psalm 119, 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Let me exhort you to be simple in your understanding. Be needy in your understanding. I don't know how many times we've said it in the months that I've been here, but you don't know what you don't know. Therefore, be simple. And seek God for the light that He would give you. Seek understanding from the Lord. The need for understanding, your need for understanding, cannot be overstated. You see, the nature of Christ's teaching intends you, is meant for you, one by one, to comprehend what He has said, and to take it in your mind and your heart. And then take action according to what he has said. The gospel is full of warning against hearing and then not acting according to what you've heard. But it happens all the time. He warns and he warns. If the word lands on not understanding, what fruit can you have from it? Satan watches for these opportunities so he can steal the word away. Proverbs 21.16 says, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Wow, isn't that amazing? A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. You are the tender of your heart. You are the guardian of your heart. Heart, And when the word of God is preached or when you read the word of God, it is your job to hear it, 
in dreadful seriousness because this life is almost over for every single one of us. And if the word lands on not understanding, if you won't work on it, if you won't deal with it, what is your end? What is your hope? The man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Satan lies in wait to steal the word unplanted and unengaged in the heart. And God's work in you who would believe is to assemble with you a place and a stone in his temple that comes by his word working on your understanding, working on your repenting, working on your believing. And you can take measures to stand and progress despite Satan's plan and his works. You can do things to work on your understanding. I'm just going to list off a short handful of things. Come to church when it is meeting. Don't let him dissuade you from coming. I know your heart is similar to mine, and oftentimes Sundays come, and you're like, I just don't feel like going. Don't let him dissuade you from coming. Pray for a listening and prepared heart. Pray that the Lord would help you to hear and understand what's being taught and preached. Otherwise, you'd be staring out the window and you'd see a turkey under the tree or you see a buzzard or you'll notice something on a tree and you'll start wondering, why is that tree orange and all the rest of them? Are, and, and, and you'll do that for 20 minutes. Somebody's teaching you and your heart will have just been like a piece of granite. Nothing went into it. Do you see how that would work? Take notes when God's Word is being taught to help you listen to preaching and teaching with an engaged mind. Decide to resist the temptation to let your mind wander during preaching and teaching and your personal Bible reading. Have you ever read a chapter in the Bible and realized you didn't hear one word of it? Have you ever read like through the entire New Testament and realized, I'm not sure I, I tracked a whole lot of that? You realize that there is an enemy at work against you so that God's word would not enter your heart? And if, if you're not aware of this, if you're not paying attention to this, he plays you. Don't be a fool. Do the work that we need to do. So decide to resist the temptation to let your mind wander. Don't let your mind wander during preaching and teaching. Keep your notebook handy. Get enough sleep before church and before Wednesday. Get to the meeting on time. Be ready to engage. Pray to God and His Spirit to help you. Practice Scripture memory. Putting Scripture in your mind. Don't take 
drugs and medicines that dull your mind without careful consideration. I'm gonna I want to be careful with how I say this. I don't I'm not a doctor and I don't want to give wicked advice. But you and I both know that marijuana, alcohol, and other drugs affect your mind. And so we know that it would be foolish to use these things in a way that would interfere with our ability to be good thinkers and good meditators and good workers on the Word of God because they these kinds of things would be in direct conflict with your ability to take in and, and ponder on the Word of God. Now, if and when your doctors prescribe something that affects your mind, and they do, and it happens, make sure that you ask them help you stay as mentally aware as you can. I've had two or three surgeries and they they put me out and I just go out like a rock and I like it. I get a good night's sleep when they give me a surgery. But if I were to go to a doctor and he says, you need to take this to deal with your pain or, or, or this... I would want to ask him, is it going to make my concentration weak? Is it going to cause me to be too sleepy? Can you help me make sure you're going to give me something to deal with this issue in such a way that I have my mind and I'm able to concentrate and I'm able to do the work of my life, my, my, my manness, my, my personhood, I need my mind. This is an important thing because we live in a day where doctors will prescribe you too much of whatever you want in most instances. And they will rob you of your gift of clear-headedness. So be cautious about this. I'm not... Please don't hear me say don't take those medicines... But be shrewd and discerning in understanding what you're doing when your doctor makes these suggestions. Be careful. Satan will suggest to you that being a little bit drugged out will just be relaxing. And the doctor has prescribed it, so it's just fine. Remember that he can tempt you in this way. And then remember that most doctors could care less if you hear God's word with understanding or not. Okay? We want to be people who hear with understanding. Don't be turned from the enduring powerful word. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. A Christian has been born again and given eternal life by the word of God. We've looked at this a number of times. A Christian has given eternal life by the word that is an eternal word. It is your engagement with the word that is enduring, that has directed us to faith in Christ. 
So labor to hear and understand. 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. This is how eternal life has come. It's by the word that lives and abides forever, because... All flesh is as grass, all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, its flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It is the word of God that changes a person from this path of corruption to this path of eternal life. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Satan will suggest entertaining things outside of God's word. In other words, your appetite and your attention to God's word has many things competing for it. Things that are entertaining to you. He will suggest that there are boring things and offensive things pertaining to God's word. Oh, I don't want to go to church. Mike always talks too long. I don't want to go because it's such a long drive. You will have these thoughts park right in your mind, right on your heart. So Satan will suggest it's boring. He'll suggest don't go there. You get offended at the time you go there. Or he will encourage you to engage in some texting conversation instead of listening to the Word of God. Or he will give you something to daydream about. Or he will give you a new TV show. Or he will suggest a birthday party or a sporting activity on a Sunday and that you just deserve a chance to relax instead of the work that you might work to understand God's word and put it in your heart. These things are in constant conflict with each other. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. Legalism means that some work, some works will save you and make you righteous on the day of judgment. What is the Christian's hope of righteousness? Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. He is our hope. He is our righteousness. But he's told us how we can live a life and how we can live a fruitful life. Satan will offer you incentives and he will offer offenses. You will think of advantages of not studying and not going to church. It'll be more fun. You'll have free time. You'll save gas money. You'll have more fun spending time with the unsaved. You will think of disadvantages of studying. It's hard. It's not entertaining. It takes too much time. I don't like it when I see so-and-so there. Or preaching makes me feel guilty. The devil will tempt by offending and attracting so that you don't spend time in the Word of God. And He will dissatisfy you with 
spending time in the Word of God. So watch for His ways. Watch for His ways. The Word is the Word of life. James 4.7 Simple verse for you to remember as we close today. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Matthew 13.23 is the end of the parable. He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The fruit of understanding will last forever. It is a gift of God to you and I who would apply ourselves to understanding His Word. It is a gift. It is a blessing from God for you to hear and understand His Word. Not a one of you will get to the end of this age and regret time you have spent knowing His Word. None of you will regret or resent knowing His Word. None of you will resent how He guided you and led you by His Word. You will get to the end of this age and with joy, gratitude overflowing, you will say, God, by Your grace, You showed me these kind ways, these good ways that prepared me for the end with this great joy. Just realize he's not telling us to do something terrible. He's not doing something to give you loss. He's not doing something to give you bankruptcy. His word is to make you rich. His word is to bless you and to enrich you and to help you. So watch Watch for the deceiver who waits. He waits just for that hardness. The seed has no place to take root. He's watching for it. He's waiting for it. Watch out for it, brothers and sisters. Trust the Lord in His Word and give yourselves to it. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, how we love Your Word. We love Your Word. Strong, powerful, gives us joy and peace. It protects us from evil. It directs us in the steps of blessing and hope. We are grateful, Lord, and we, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Christ our Savior, amen. You may be dismissed.